As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you, and I'm going to try to talk fast and be super energetic because it's free agency times here. We've been waiting for it. There's so much to talk about, Jay. Oh, my God. Spend, spend, spend. <laughs> People are excited. They're jacked up. They're on the second cup of coffee. It's, t- it's that time of year. You know, we've been, we've, we have spent so much time talking about the options and what they can do and laying out the plans we created a freaking spreadsheet like there is i mean there is so much time spent to all plotting out and setting the table for what can happen and now it's time to watch them eat and i'll take that because i'm tired of setting the table and polishing the silverware now how many meals do they eat is the question because Uh, they go for seconds their belly's empty. <laughs> Their belly's <laughs> empty. Do they go for seconds? Do they go for the? Do they go five for five? Right, Jay? You feeling me? <laughs> Get some beef Bang- and cheddars. Yeah, Bengal fans better hope they don't go for the five for five. They they, they, they might want to go a little higher than than the. What would local be the Arby's, Arby's equivalent? What would be the Arby's equivalent of fine dining, Jay? Ooh. That's I mean, the five question. for five would be going for the quantity, right? Yes. Signing signing a bunch of second and third wave free agents. What would be the Arby's equivalent of going for the big name? I don't Who's know. Who's the I Joe don't... Tooney? Who's the Joe Tooney of Arby's? I guess you say the precinct or Jeff Ruby's. I, I don't whoa, know. Oh, no. No. At Arby's. Oh, at Arby's. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Does that even exist? Yeah, I mean, I, I assume it does for the true Arby's lovers like yourself. I mean, price point, it doesn't match, but the orange cream shake is probably <laughs> the best thing they have. So that's your Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney is the orange <laughs> cream shake. What is the most expensive thing at Arby's? It's probably that meat mountain thing. Oh, which God. <laughs> that's what the Bengals need. They need a meat mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be truly awful. Uh, sorry to sorry to open this podcast with the visuals of a meat mountain, but it's it's that's it. That's what the Bengals are going for. They're trying to find their meat mountain. So 
on that note, we have a lot to get to. Um, we're going to spend a lot of today talk, reacting to a lot of stuff that Duke Tobin had to say yesterday, which includes a pretty aggressive tone um, about what free agency is going to look like for a team that is not planning on sitting on their hands, um, apparently, in the early parts of free agency. Um so we're going to talk a lot about that. And then there was a lot of other stuff to get to. Both of us, Jay and I, have stories up reacting to stuff that Duke had to say yesterday. Um, Jay on the free agency side and me kind of poking through some of the other nuggets that I thought there were some interesting things uh, lying in the weeds, if you will, uh, of the 20 minutes that we got with him. First time we've talked with him since in six months, since before last season. So it had been a while. There's a lot to get to. Um, of course... By popular demand, we got to talk about the Jersey leak. I know people are excited about that conversation, uh, so we will discuss that um, and run down some of the news, including uh, we had a story up with all our 32 insiders kind of taking a peek at repositioning what the needs are. We have ours up as well. I have one that came up Monday morning, and, and Jay, you went through and actually compiled all of it to give a better look at the full uh, scope of what positions are most be most uh, needed. Uh, you know, teams are going to be chasing most intently. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the other news involving some things that are popping off across the league this time of year, though, like it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's podcast hell season because you record and then you find out when you turn, when you open Twitter back up, what you, what you missed and what has changed. And so we're recognizing that. And so for the next week and a half, as free agency happens and through this week, cut cap cuts, things like that, we're strictly on emergency pod alert, right? So we're going to be firing off reaction pods as big pieces of news happens. You tell us if you think it's worthy of an emergency pod. I got some emergency pods to the uh, calls for the Clark Harris signing last week. And while I was very much excited about that, it probably didn't qualify. Uh, people that read the Clark Harris story that I had in my back pocket since uh, December probably know the excitement level that I had when I saw I finally got to pull that interview uh, out of the crawl space. But um we're going to, for the next week and a half, we're going to be on basically reactionary pods to any big piece of news that happens, a signing, a major cut, things like that. And so no set schedule, but just, you know, keep keep opening your feed because we're going to be showing up there uh, talking about each thing as it goes down. We could have an emergency pod within an emergency pod. I mean, news could break while we're recording. <laughs> Pop off while we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, you, you talked about we log you log off after the podcast and go look at Twitter and see what you missed. But we, you know, we have Twitter popping up on our phone and in side windows. So yeah, the news could break while we are recording. You, you just never know. Uh, a favorite. I, we will get into the, the nuts and bolts of the podcast here in a second. But a favorite story of mine was uh, between two reporters who will name remain nameless was. Uh, they were working together. They covered different teams and were kind of keeping an eye on a certain player. And uh, one of them apparently had decided to get in the shower when the signing happened. And he literally was calling him. So he picked up in the shower and was like talking. He's like, where are you? He's like, I'm in the shower. I can't even take a shower during free agency. <laughs> and it is, it's true. You just never know when something's going to happen. I, I remember I was... We've all been there. We're sitting, we're having lunch in the morning or having lunch in the afternoon or doing something for breakfast or you're out at dinner or whatever. You never know during free agency 
when it's going to pop off. So you always got to be ready. So we will be ready to bring podcasts to you as they go down. Um, lot up on the site. Go check that out. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, we highly recommend it. This is the perfect time of year. We're connected everywhere across the entire league and through college as we prepare for the draft. Dane Brugler's draft stuff is on fire right now. Uh, you name it. Um, there's a lot going on. Let's talk about Duke uh, and what he's seen. You know, we hadn't talked to him in forever, Jay, and you talk about there was a lot to get to. Um, you wrote about, I think, what we both agree and what most would agree was the major theme and the major interesting takeaway from yesterday. Um, and that was sort of, it was, it was a tone of, hey, we're, we're going for this. We're, we are not going to be second, third wave bargain bin pluckers necessarily. It, that, at least that's not what it sounded like to me. No, and it, it was, I mean, it's still, it, it seems like the obvious approach, but he mentioned it, how it, it's, it's such a wild card. I mean, you, I'm kind of surprised that he came out with that tone because you do never know. You, you just like last year where we, we expected them to go heavy after linebackers and all of a sudden these linebackers are flying off the board at ridiculous prices. I mean, you can go into it saying we're going to be aggressive and we're going to go after this, this, and this. And then if people are way out bidding you for these guys that you want, you, you may have to sit back and, and wait a day, maybe two days. Um, so I, I was a little surprised that he was surprised, but also appreciative that he was able to that he was willing to come out and be so forthcoming with what their plan is um, and, and say they were going to attack it. Um, it, it was funny. You, you talked about the first time we've talked to him. The, the When he opened his press conference, I, I was trying not to give one of those irritated sideways smirks when because he said, I wish we were doing this in person. And I wanted to say, well, you know, I did ask you on a street corner in Mobile, <laughs> Alabama to do it in person and you declined. So, but I know what he's saying. He, he meant everybody as a group and it, it's, it, the, the I one did I ask you on a street corner in Mobile, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> hey, I have very few complaints about Bengals PR, but I, I did, I, I wish we would have got more time with them. It, it had been so long yeah. and if we were doing that in person, if that was at the combine, I, I can't, I can't ever remember a time where we've we've talked to to Duke in a in a setting in person, um, where you know PRs kind of stepped in and said, okay, last question or one more minute, whatever that, whatever that kind of thing is. It just, I, I, I wish we would have got a little more time with them yesterday, given given how infrequently we do get to talk to them and how long it's been since we've talked to them last. That's maybe the biggest disappointment of, of doing these things over zoom um, as opposed to in person. I know they're busy and I know they probably promised him that he could keep it to 20 minutes, but it just feels like that wouldn't have been the case if we were doing it in person. Well, it's never been the case. I mean, yeah. he does at the combine, you do 15 minutes at the podium and then typically it ends up being 15 minutes on the side or more. Um, with us, you end up you end up somewhere in that thirty to forty five minute range of of total transcript there, and that's you know, it is what it is. I guess it's our it's our new landscape. Um, so, but you know, the the line that was kind of peddled out there, and I do think stands out is the way we've managed our cap. We've got a certain advantage, and we're going to look to take advantage of that. You know, and it is a matter of understanding that. You know, I wrote uh, last week about 
they don't do restructures. And, you know, I talk to people inside the team. That's not changing, right? The, the way the people wonder when all the cap stuff is, you know, cap's going down and the finances are all over the place and everybody's trying to figure out what this new, all these changes, how they're going to affect the way teams operate. Well, it ain't going to change the way the Bengals operate. They are still, they don't look for them to be trying to find their biggest, you know, looking at DJ Reader's contract and looking to restructure him. You can say for better or for worse, as other teams do, but they believe that the reason they find themselves in advantageous situations like this one, where they spent their cash, they spent over the cap and cash, and they have plenty of cap room, is because they know they feel like they have the best way to never get themselves into a bad place and always feeling like this time of year they are in an advantageous situation for the most part. And they typically are. They typically do have a lot of room. Now, they've chosen to use it in different ways, um, but they, they they do find themselves in a nice spot this year of all years, where there's going to be a supply and demand that's in favor of teams that with money, uh, and you know they have needs. And so we'll see how how they played out. But I, you know, the idea of the idea was there was two options here. What we discussed at the top with the bad Arby's conversation that made people sick <laughs> is. Is what would they do with it though? Would they look at it as, man, what a great opportunity to take advantage of the crunched second and third wave? That's where you're going to really make your make your most value, right? And just do a ton and do a quantity across the board. Or would they be there day one in the mix, making plays for the top of the market of whatever they felt to be most valuable? And again, like you said, you never know for sure how these things will play out but it definitely sounded like day one they want to be in that mix i mean it's not out of the question that they could they could do both they could do quantity and quality because you could get you could go big on a couple guys early and and not spend everything and you you have to wonder what what that third wave is going to look like we've talked about it you just mentioned it there's there's going to be guys hanging out there they're going to be signing for way less than they expected there's a lot of teams what is it half the teams are over the cap already having to make really difficult decisions um there's there's going to be opportunities to, to grab guys at the end of free agency that could legitimately help and fill out your roster um maybe even slide in to a not if not a starting spot but a, a heavy rotation role so you they could they could go heavy at the go for the quant quality at the beginning of free agency and then really kind of fill some stuff out at the back end and and i don't it's not going to be eight like last year eight guys but it, it could certainly get up in that handful range five six yeah and you never know i mean you you're right you could do both i mean especially if you feel like okay so and if Let's take Von Bell. He's a perfect example from last year, who was a guy that did not expect to be around when the dust settled and was an upgraded a position where they already felt like they had a starter. And they made a move and they signed him for about three years, 18, whatever it was, six mil per or something in that range. Well, does that range this year have guys like Von Bell taking half that? Have guys like Von Bell doing one year deals? at less in order to come back and hit the market next year where you could have two Von Bells 
or where you could have <laughs> three Josh Bineses, you know, where you have just more of those guys in that range willing to sign for less in a place where they know they can play and hit the market next year. Very possible that you could def- that you could really pile up in that area. Um, and that is an area where the Bengals have loved to live over traditionally over the years. But if they, so yeah, the possibility of doing both, I definitely think is in it, but you know, the, and the other side of this is, so, okay. And I sort of opened my piece about this and it was, all right, well, where does that go? Cause there's arguments out there on what are you going to do? What's the path look like? And as Duke sort of, he opened with Burrow as you would assume you might, and talking about how, look, I think Joe Burrow is one of the best premier quarterbacks in this league. We have to build around him. It starts with that, right? That it was all, we have to start with building around Joe Burrow. And that is just, oh, it's sweet, sweet music to Bengals fans here. This is not, I mean, it's just, oh, just, just, it's a nice little cuddle, you know, just cuddling in the night. With Bengals fans uh, talking about what they want to hear. It starts with building around Joe Burrow. And then going on to praise every position on the team, except anybody that plays along the, the line of scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, we didn't hear a offensive line or defensive line name other than, hey, it'd be good to have DJ Reader back. Uh I think Jonah got mentioned later as they might have they might have one, right? Yeah. Like that was the that was the closest thing to praise <laughs> <laughs> for the offensive or defensive line. I mean, so obviously that's where it starts. And then when you talk, it's all about building around Joe Burrow. It, it, it falls in line with everything we've been telling you that we've been hearing throughout these last few months. They understand that protecting Burrow with every asset they have is the most important direction to go. And typically that means doing that with money and proven pieces before you get into the development area. Then openly kind of admitting, yeah, guard is a focus. I asked specifically, did your opinion of the guard position change, not only because of the way the game has changed, but because of what happened with Joe Burrow and his injury last year? You know, and it wasn't, you know, the most direct answer. None of these were. None. Yeah. They were all very tiptoeing around. Nothing was very specific. But it was, yeah, that position is going to be important to us. And it basically, I mean, I think in, in, in so many words, did kind of say, yeah, like we understand that's where we've got to be better. You know, and I think there's, if you're put, trying to put those pieces together, and you're trying to figure out priorities, I, I think it did point to, hey, they're willing to be there, uh, maybe not at the top, maybe at the top of the guard market and, and be aggressive in that position, which is in somewhere they've they've never been in the past. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see not not just where they they put the bulk of their money, whether they the highest paid guy is a guard or a tackle in free agency, but which one they sign first, like which one they which one they go and get right away. Um, you know, conceivably on Monday when when the 
tampering period begins and they can agree to negotiate and agree to a deal before signing it on Wednesday. Um, I, that's, I am interested to see what, how they attack that, what the order that they go. I'm, I'm under the assumption they're going to have a, a starting guard and a starting tackle in free agency. And the, the order that those guys come off the board, um, is, it, it intrigues me. And one other thing, like you, you talked about with the, those back end free agent guys playing for less and would they accept a one year deal? I, we talk all the time about, players on one-year prove-it deals this could be a situation where the the organization itself is on a one-year prove-it deal because you're in that ideal situation where not only you have money nobody else does but you have joe burrow and if you have free agents coming in here on a one-year deal expecting to hit the market next year and they see what everybody else has seen from joe burrow and they and the, this team does happen to get it turned around this year and gets up in that 500 range and they see the future, then you could almost you can convince those guys. Obviously, money trumps everything, but you could convince some of those guys that came here on a one year deal to be, hey, I want to be a part of this going forward. And they may want to stick around to longer deals. Um, I just everything it rides on Joe Burrow's back, not just success on the field, but what he means in that locker room, what he means the organization as a whole. I just, I think they're in a, in a great position beyond what the cap structure looks like. Yeah. I mean, you, you can quickly change your image and I mean, think about it. What, what is maybe one of the most coveted destinations in the NFL right now that you hear in the mix anytime a big name pops up? Cleveland. Yeah. Buffalo. Right. Like think about that. I mean, in the in uh, through a historical context, and and not even that far in history, <laughs> very recent history, you're talking about joke franchises. The way people joke about the Bengals or have joked about the Bengals, the, these things change quickly. The right momentum, the right quarterback, the right wins, and a young team that's exciting. You know, and and things look and feel different in the way people view you and players wanting to come play. And these players do not have long memories, okay? Most players coming in this league probably barely remember a time when the Rams weren't cool. The Rams were super uncool, by the way, for mm-hmm. a long time. They moved. <laughs> they didn't have fans. People were like, how are they going to even get fans in L.A.? And now, you know, they're McVeigh and all that. And so there's, you know, these things are cyclical and they happen fast. Players are young and they don't really care about that also, you know, where it's like they they get in. All they know is what's in front of them. Player gets here, been there for a year, loves Joe Burrow, feels like the team's on the cusp. You're good. You're right on that, man. I mean, I think that's that's the truth there. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And the other side of it um, comes to the defense to the defense side. It's when when and how will they be able to invest in that? I, you know, who knows? Um, if they go in there early, we go back to the linebacker. People need to refresh themselves on what happened last year. Because it's important here when you talk about all we did was talk about linebackers. You mentioned it earlier, Jay. I mean, all we did was talk about linebackers all offseason. And the first wave hit, and it didn't match. And they really they liked what the draft had to offer at linebacker and felt like they could fill that position there. And it wasn't worth going all the way up the market for those guys. I think in retrospect, you could say that was proven right. If you know, a guy like Joe Schobert up in the 10, 11 million was what was the best, what was that the best way to spend your money when you could have gotten, when you got end up Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither um, in the draft as well, or could have had some of the other guys and spend your money elsewhere. And so th- that could be a thing that could happen here, you know, where, yeah, you thought you were going to get a tackle. You know, you love this tackle draft. And, you know, if we don't get a tackle at five or 38, you know, there's there's a tackle there and, and, and that you like that you probably think could start day one. And is that a scary, pro, scarier proposition? Maybe. But if you're saying that that's a very viable option for you with maybe a serviceable piece just in case, um, then you can make things like, okay, well, let's go after something on defense or whatever. But um, I, you got to feel like that's part of the plan too. But something to keep in mind with history is things can change and plans can evolve, and it's more than just free agency period. They're taking into consideration what they know is ahead of them in the draft as well. And that that would be it is a possibility, but that would be a, a pretty big gamble if if you know as deep as this class is in tackles. If you don't get one in the first two rounds, to to say well we can still get a guy in the third round because you you don't know that the Bengals are not alone in needing offensive linemen, and you don't know how that that the end of the second round could be where a lot of those teams that need tackles are saying hey it's it's a deep draft that's where we're going to get our guy, and then next thing you know, in the third round you're looking at ninth, 10th, 11th tackle um, on your board being what you have to go with there. Well, uh, I'll say this. If 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 they don't get somebody real in free agency and they don't use 5 or 38 on a tackle, they might as well fold it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the building won't be standing anymore. Could you imagine Fan React? Uh, they'll be picketing. Bobby Hart would still be employed, by the way. Yes. That, that's another. That's an interesting point too, because when we're, we all assume that, that Gino and, and Bobby Hart are going to be cap casualties, but when do they announce those? Do they do they wait and get into free agency and see where they're at, and then if if they they need more money, then they make the call to pull the trigger on one of those guys? Because we're this week we're already starting to see. We started Carlos Dunlap yesterday. You're going to see a lot of guys 
uh, getting their walking papers. But those are from teams that are so far underwater. They, they have to make these moves right now. But I, I think with the Bengals, we're not necessarily going to see those decisions on cap cuts made by the start of free agency. Yeah, not necessarily. I would say more so with Hart. I think with Gino, you're just making the call. Like, you know, and and so we can. Duke talked about Gino as well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say with the Bobby Hart side thing, it could be okay. Once we get the replacement, we let go of Bobby Hart and take that money, and the, they almost they pass each other in the night, right? You know, you sign some guy to play right tackle. Um, in free agency, and you release Bobby Hart in the same move. It's like, okay, we were upgrading, we're moving on, we're taking that money, putting it towards this guy. End of discussion. With Gino, you know, Duke laid a little bit more into this. Um, here, here was the most important thing to me that was said. It was admitting, look, if we feel like we can get m- more value out of his money we're we're open to that because that is the case. <laughs> like you're getting more for $10 million on the open market than you're getting in production from what Geno Atkins is giving you at this point in his career. I really have a hard time debating that with anybody, even if you believe that last year was just a total outlier and he was. It was all because of injury, and and Duke said, "Yeah, it was all because of injury, and that's fine. I, I'm I'm okay with that." But there's no way you can tell me that you're getting ten million dollars in value out of what even a healthy Geno Atkins can give you at this point in his career. He says, essentially, we'll see. We'll see if there's any room. We need to do some other things. It's a fluid situation. Look. There's going to be room. They're going to need to do other things. We just heard the man talk about all the things they want to do in free agency. So I, I once you admit the openness to that, that Gino isn't some sort of untouchable Bengals legend, you know, that they're, look, he's Gino, one of the best traffics we've ever had, and we love him, we want him to retire a Bengal, and that's what we want. You know, when you're openly not in that camp, like I think you've already kind of – pushed yourself in the obvious direction that we've been saying since day one they're going to end up at you you mentioned this um when we did the choose your own worksheet thing i think you i think i heard you mentioned it on mo how how much more in tune fans are to to that side of football the the gm side the the organizational side the decision making side and i is as loved as aj green is and and gino maybe to a slightly lesser extent i i I think they see things for what they are. And I don't think anybody, I don't, I shouldn't say anybody, but I I think the vast majority of Bengal fans would be okay and say, yep, it's, it's time. Those guys, we we need to move on from those guys. It was great while they were here. I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to ruffle a lot of feathers in the fan base by getting rid of either one of those guys. And AJ, it's not really getting rid of because he's a free agent and he's free to go where he wants. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, there, even Carlos, there was there was a segment that that wanted to see him stay, and that was upset with the organization for trading him. But I, I think fans with Gino, it's not like his his production was just kind of trucking along and then fell off a cliff. I mean, he was in fairly steep decline anyhow before last year. So you, yes, the the you can say the injury was a big reason for for how bad his year was last year, but it was going down anyhow, and it's not coming back up to the prime Gino. It just, it, it doesn't make sense 
to, to keep him around when $10 million could get you two starting defensive tackles in free, in free agency. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I just feel like, and not all, but I just think a, a much higher percentage of fans would understand the math and the basis of why you do certain things. It's not just, oh, I love that guy. I want him to stay, right? I think most of them understand by doing this, you're allowing the team to do other things. And 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 in the past, that segment was much smaller. But now there is much of a much greater understanding of how these things work and, and the importance where most fans, I think, would hold it against you for holding on to Gino yeah. and then not spending in free agency that extra $10 million. Um, I think most fans have a good understanding of that, whereas back in the past, it wasn't as much the case. I mean, I remember having a conversation along time when I kind of first started on this beat was, you know, a thought from from Mike and the organization that they, they kind of wish that, you know, people didn't write as much about the financial side of the game. You know, and not that they, you know, he didn't want it out there, but just it felt personal and it felt treating these guys too much like pieces, you know, he viewed them as people and and it just, it felt, you know, too close. And, And I think that's part of where fandom used to be. You rooted for the guys that were there and... And you liked your guys, and then and the team moved how it moved. But now that people, they're just everyone. Everyone is so much more in tune into exactly how it should move and could move. That it just it fans are different. Fans are different now. The same way that everything's different now. Everything evolves. Um, so I, yeah, you're I, you're right. I mean, I, it is a it's an interesting dynamic as people have a better understanding. You're less hurt by letting go of a legend than you maybe would have been five ten years ago as far as PR and just generally the way you're viewed by your fans. Yeah, and I think the big beef that that fans have when when that happens when a when a player that they love leaves is they get really upset when they see him move on and then do better. Yeah. It's like, you know, we got rid of this guy and now look at him and I you just can't see that being the case with with Gino and AJ. With both of them it seems their their years are behind their be- best years are behind them. You're not going to have to worry about them going somewhere and and beating you or just having these great pro bowl seasons. But you're right, it's I don't know it's probably because sites like over the cap and spot rack, there all this information's out there. There's franchise modes and Matt franchise mode and Madden where you know, it's almost like you know, fantasy football took off the way it did with players. You can almost sort of see some sort of fantasy type game being built around like fantasy GM or, or fantasy front office. There's there's that much interest in that side of it now. Yeah, there's no there is no doubt. Um as far as other things that Gino said, um, you know, talked or Gino said other things that Duke <laughs> said get Gino in the mind. Uh I asked him, you know, it was because we hadn't talked to him in six months, um, we had never gotten a chance to ask anybody in the front office about the big decision from a few months back of deciding to keep the coaching staff essentially intact. Um, and the answer was kind of what we've been saying and what you would anticipate. It started with, we think stability will help us, you know, and this was about two things. It was about stability is the best way to win next year. 
because they still do have a belief in the direction they were going. And injuries were the scapegoat. You know, injuries were the reason the defense didn't play well because they had a bunch of guys on the street playing defensive line. Um, and no, essentially no coordinator could have been great with that group with the injuries that they had is, is the argument made there. They didn't have the players. And then that, hey, we loved everything everybody on offense was doing with Joe Burrow, and that is the key. You heard it me at the beginning. Build around Burrow. Give Burrow everything he needs to succeed. Burrow loves these coaches. There seems to be a good relationship there. He was productive with them. They liked the scheme they were building around him. There's a lot of good relationships happening there. Keep him happy. Keep everybody happy there. So keep that going in the same direction. And I think they feel like if Burrow had been healthy, they would have won a fair share of those games, and they'd have been on the path that they expected to be on and still think that they're on with a good offseason issue. That was sort of the answer that that Duke gave, and it's um, the one that we've been hearing, but you know we needed to hear it from him uh, to to kind of speak on that on behalf of the front office, which which made that decision. Um, so that was kind of a lot that a lot more of my deconstruction of, of extra quotes and Jay's piece on free agency is up on the site now uh, if you want to get to that. Um, we also on the site is the all all 32 teams breaking down their strengths and weaknesses as far as what they're approaching and in, in going after players and free agency. Jay, you went through and kind of compiled all of them. What did you find when as far as what is going to be what positions are most aggressively going to be gone after here in free agency? I uh, found out that the Bengals are the popular kids. That, yeah. that what what? They, <laughs> what they need is what everybody needs. So that's going to make it challenging. That's going to make the, the the whole unpredictability of a free agency a little more difficult because the the top three positions, what I did is I looked at all thirty two teams listed their their needs in free agency. and the assignment was to list, the top five. I didn't know if every writer ranked them in order, if they just ranked five. So I didn't, I didn't put any weight on them, but I just wrote down every position for the other 30 teams. I didn't include the Bengals because uh, we know what their needs are. And I didn't include one other team. I'm not going to mention that team, but the, the writer for that team just went b- kind of assess their needs at every position instead of ranking the top five. So of the other 30, 26 need defensive line help. <laughs> 22 need offensive line help and 21 need cornerback help and those were your top three on your list so mm-hmm. that's that yeah that, i mean linebacker also was tied for third with 21 but that that shows you that that where the bengals are looking is where everybody else is looking and that's that's going to add they've, they've got an advantage with the cash that we've talked about but that 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 degree of difficulty comes in where you, you're going to be selling yourself against a lot of other suitors and why Carl Lawson, yep, William Jackson <laughs> are going to get theirs because everybody's looking for those guys and and needs those now. Whether they get them here, there, or anywhere, um, we'll we'll break down as it goes along. Um, that's you know you're it, it all starts there, right? I mean, there's not enough, and that's why I think there's so much anticipation over this draft and all the tackles and all the interior offensive linemen too that are going to be available in this draft, um, you really can make some things happen. Um, and, and I think teams are excited about that because they've been waiting for a real influx draft of a lot of quality uh, 
offensive lineman to show up, and this this looks like it might be the one. And the same for Edge. I mean, a lot of lot of quality yeah. edge rushers as uh, Dane has gone gone through, and when he's broken down his top one hundred, um, so we'll see a lot of those guys entering, and that's never been more valuable. Another piece of what Duke said. Um, it comes to f- ways to find offensive line. And I had mentioned, hey, what about a trade? You know, if you could get a guy like Rob Havenstein, who we've talked about from the Rams, who uh, Jordan Rodriguez had as available uh, as a potentially as a cap casualty in L.A., when you're looking creative ways to maybe acquire high-end talent, um, I mentioned what trade you could get a third-round pick. And the bottom line is the picks have never been more valuable. And Duke essentially said, nah. We this ain't the year we're going to be trading picks. We need them, we want them, uh, we want to use them, and so it, it, it sort of squashed it a little bit. Um, the bottom line is though, you know, your picks, you know, you can get more for them because they are so valuable, and if you have the room to take off some of the cap, you won't have to give up as much uh, because you know people are going to to get any pick is going to feel super valuable this year. So, you know, could you you could get away with that just being a third rounder that you have to give up for a guy like having seen or a fourth rounder even or whatever your combination of pick swap could be. Could be getting pretty good value on that. That said, Duke basically said not happening. So good to know. It was interesting though, because we he I remember last year at the senior bowl he talked about this that how they they pretty much view every college player as a wild card, a mystery, whereas a guy that's been in the league is a a known commodity. You know what he is. So, yeah, you don't want to give up your your picks because they are so valuable. But if you gave up a third rounder for a known quantity in Havenstein, is that – I mean, that, it, that doesn't seem like a, a bad proposition. But you're right. It, it, he made it sound like that, that's not happening. And, and maybe next year is the year – where they they accumulate picks because if they can't re-sign Carl Lawson, they can't re-sign William Jackson. You have to figure they're going to get pretty decent comp picks for those well, guys. Depending but on how many be, they sign, I mean, yes, if they it sign, could be offset. They, yeah, they could be offset if they're out there signing a bunch of guys. That's the thing is if you're active in free agency, that could that's could end up wiping those off your plate. And it, and the, you have to figure they will because <laughs> you would almost have to not sign anybody to to not not have those guys offset. Right, but. Yeah, you're right. It's, I, I just, I, I still think I loved your trade proposal. Um, I, I don't know wh- why the reluctance would be there to do that. Now we don't know that the Rams are interested in that, but um, you know, you, Duke kind of shot it down, and uh, it was a little surprising. I, I would think that they would be more apt to take the the known commodity as a third round pick. That is, that's well, who knows what the success rate of a third round pick is, but. A proven guy like Havenstein would have to be the better bet there. See, in a lot of ways, though, they view those guys as unknown commodities in some ways because they don't personally know True. Them. And if you don't feel like you have a good handle uh, or you have as much of a handle as you can on somebody who's in somebody else's building and how they will specifically fit with you, it's a problem. But the, that's why I liked that guy in particular because of familiarity with system and with the coach that knows him from having been there in L.A. Uh, but apparently not. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fair enough, I guess. Um, oh, God, we got to talk about jerseys, Jay. Do we? Christ. Yeah, let's let you know. What, let's do something else first. Okay. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there <laughs> kick it down um, the road as far as possible yeah so n- let's just pop through a few news items 
the Patriots on Tuesday morning as we record this look like they're trading for Trent Brown, uh, which is significant for the Bengals. How? Uh, well, it looks like it has pushed all options for Joe Tooney off the table with them, so he will hit free agency. So, Tooney or bust crowd, warming up, getting all in a tizzy now. They're warming up now. Tooney or bust is here. They're ready for it. Now, the idea that the Bengals will get him, who knows? Here's another thing. Brandon Sheriff uh, from Washington, who is maybe the number one guy on the market, if if you had Tooney as two, got another tag. Is going to get another tag, it appears, from the Washington football team, which puts him, you know, they tagged him last year. That number goes up big time. You're up around $18 million now for a guard for one year. Yeah. That is not good for somebody trying to sign Joe Tooney because now the other option is off the table and they mar- they put his market up around 18 mil at least for one year. That is significant and it's only going to make Joe Tooney harder to get and more expensive. And you have to wonder if that maybe takes him off the Bengals because other teams maybe that were thinking, okay, Sheriff or Tooney are now just on him and maybe one with more money steps in, Jets. Right, uh, and 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 snag him from you. Also, a uh, possibility there. I mean, just if you go with nameless, faceless players, it it just doesn't make sense in my mind to pay pay more for a guard in free agency than you do a tackle. It feels like the, mo- the bulk of the money in in that early wave of free agency has to go to a tackle. I, I mean, it could go the other way, but I I just I don't see it. I, if you could get a toonie and then a, a tackle. If you had enough money to do both, then okay. But but what you need help at both spots. It, it feels like the focus has to be tackle. I know there's a toonie or bus crowd out there, but it just it, everybody loves the idea of a hometown discount. I don't think Joe Tooney's going to give away millions of dollars to come play an hour from no. hometown. No, he could break a tie. Yes, I would think uh, would maybe be that. Uh, you know, the, if you're if you're in the tune of your bus crowd, you're probably in the Panay Sewell crowd. You know, you would assume that that is is what you how you envision it playing out is some form of Tooney and Sewell being your your big additions there at five or whatever that ends up being. So, um, uh, Dak Prescott got a, his deal. Uh, it is massive, four years up to one sixty and change, seventy five mil in year one. I mean, it's it's like one of those that makes you kind of do a double take. Like, wait, what? Uh, and only one thought pops through my head is, uh, do we? When do we start the countdown clock on the Bengals pissing their pants on the Burrow deal? <laughs> when, when are we allowed to start talking about that? You know, we're only one year in. We've only seen him play ten games, uh, and we've not seen him. You know, have his breakout. You know that you, they hope he's going to have. They believe he can have. He's looked very good for a rookie. But when does the actual pissing of the pants occur over over that money? What that will have to look like? I mean, you know it's coming when you draft a guy number one overall. You you you're, The assumption is he's going to be your guy for 10-plus years, and you know you're going to have to drop that money at some point. But, yeah, it's still a staggering number. I, I would have loved to have had like a, a webcam on Joe Burrow when – those figures dropped and just to see what his reaction was. It is interesting. Um, Todd Archer, who used to cover the Bengals for the Cincinnati post tweeted out the, the list of the uh, biggest 
signing bonuses in franchise or in NFL history. And it's Dak said it at 66 million. Uh, Russell Wilson, 65 million. Those guys were both what? Fourth round picks? Um, Aaron Rodgers, late first round, 57.5 million. You have, uh, you go back to Matthew Stafford, who's fourth on the list, 50 million to find a number one overall pick. Someone may break it. Even, you know, Patrick Mahomes had that, that huge contract. He was a number 10 pick, but someone may top it before Joe Burrow gets there. But, you know, if he keeps going the way everybody thinks he's going to go and, and being a number one overall pick that you're right, that, that, that's a staggering number that that's going to be coming his way at, at the end of his, his, his third season. Um, no way they let him just do the, the franchise tag for a fifth year. I wouldn't think they're going to want to lock, lock him up the way they did Andy Dalton um, after that third season. And Carson Palmer. Well, you Palmer. know, who knows? I mean, we, when you talk about that, they've had willingness to pay quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. I think they would love to feel like he, to know he's worth it. I don't, n- nobody has a problem paying Patrick Mahomes. Nobody right. has a problem paying Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's when you are paying Jared Goff. And when you're paying Matthew Stafford and when you're paying guys that haven't won anything yet, um, where you don't know, where you're not super sold. And that's what these next few years are going to be about, are going to be about. Is Joe Burrow Jared Goff or is Joe Burrow Patrick Mahomes or one of those guys, one of the six or seven guys, right, that you you happily fork over that money too because they can carry the you know they can carry you we've got a few years to talk through this <laughs> so i probably won't waste too much more time on it today but it did just pop out as um you know the money's only going to get higher it's yeah. only going to get more uh unbelievable as you get closer the Bengals would love to be in a position where they are having to pay joe burrow that money because it means yeah. he's that guy um the last thing they want to do is be trying to pay a guy who they don't know if he's that guy. And that's what we'll learn over the next few seasons. All right, let's just take a quick break. I think we've pushed it. We've pushed everything else down. As we, I think we mentioned before, we, we will do a, a, its own episode on the franchise tag when that comes down. So that's kind of the last news nugget. We're not going to talk about it here. And then it happened while we're, editing it uh so we'll, we'll get to that we'll do its own episode on the franchise tag so that kind of takes all of our news items for right now off the table jay we there's nowhere else for us to go but jerseys all right <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend ebay as it does leaked a screen print replica of uh, the jersey hanging off a plastic hanger under what appeared to be maybe fluorescent lights in someone's small apartment. <laughs> uh, and so it was like, oh, this is it. Yeah, apparently this is it. And then you're like, okay, well, that, that's obviously not it. Those are horrid. Okay. In that they don't even look like jerseys, right? The It, it would be the, the worst jersey rollout in history if you actually did that. Hey, here they are. Right, if a team did that, could you imagine? <laughs> hey, here they are in a plastic hanger as a cheap knockoff, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not in player. These are about how they look on the players, right? Right. I mean, and so it comes out, 
look, every I think everyone, I mean, I don't know who else did. I, I obviously did reach out to the team. No response. Team did not respond to it on social media outside of a, a tweet mentioning that they had dropped their phone in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> and wondering if anybody could re- recap what happened this weekend, uh, which I appreciate that. But it, at no point was there a we will deny this. And I think that, you know that tells you everything you need to know. If if that was out there and everyone now fully believes those are the jerseys and they weren't, you better believe a denial will be flying off Yeah, in a heartbeat. Um, we don't have one at this point. So I assume those are it. But when you do, you know, and, you know, God bless you people. And I appreciate everybody that does jersey photoshops. Um, it's, it's a skill that's nice. And I, I've enjoyed looking at them. But the people that have done them and turned them into the way they look on players, I think they're fine. I think they're probably about what you would expect. Tell me what jersey you love on other teams and tell me what makes it so good that would be different than this simplistic kind of clean design that the Bengals would have there with it mostly just a few stripes and, and mostly your colors kind of being the thing that shines for you. I guess you're, we get into font debates, right? Is that yeah. what we're at, where we're at? I love that font, by the way. The, the number nine looks like a tiger tail. I don't know what that font is. I'm not versed. Maybe there's some typesetters out there, or people that that know that, or I don't. There might even be an app or something where you can put a picture in, and it'll tell you what that font is. But I do like the font. Um, but you're, what you said about the the clean aspect of it, I, I think for me personally, my favorite Bengals jersey is the color rush, and you can't get more clean and simple than that. But it still it looks awesome. So. I, I I reached out to the seller that had that jersey for sale on eBay, and no surprise, also didn't hear back from him. And I would imagine the Bengals reached out as well because um, we, we saw people mention on Twitter, and then I went back and looked, and uh, those quickly disappeared from the list of available items on his on his eBay uh, Sunday night. So I'm I'm sure there was some legal action threatened. But the the one thing that led me know that. I, I think the the Paul Paul Brown autograph inside the collar that's that's what gave it the most validity was that's somebody couldn't just come up with that on their own that that made you feel that yeah these these are the designs yeah and I mean they who knows how somebody would get a hold of the designs and then create that jersey themselves I mean there I believe I don't know the validity of the other ones there was a Niners and a Browns throwback also posted. Um, I, I don't know as much the validity of, of that because um, I wasn't, you know, going into that. But, I mean, you know, they obviously must have been somebody that got a hold of that stuff. And so, but when you look at, I, I recommend people to look at some of the jersey mock-ups that the people that did that created them that put them either on a player or show you the the, the player cut version. Um, and I think they look fine. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not uh, – trying to be some fashion person. I think it's, I think they're simple. I think they're, they're good. You know, I mean, look, look at other jerseys, like you go pick a Jersey in the NFL and tell me what you see on their design. That isn't basically just the colors, a little logo here, a little something there. Like you're featuring your colors, you know, and they have the, the, the orange, the black and the white color rush. And the more simplistic stripes, which are reminiscent kind of a throwback to the eighties, look that had the the stripe stripes over the shoulders um single color yeah i just 
people are reacting negatively, understandably, because when you look at that terrible screen print on the hanger looking bad, it, it, it looks like a joke, right? But that's not what they will actually look like on players, people. That's not how they cut them. That's not what they are really look like. Um, when you actually look at what they'll look like and what players will wear, and I think when you look at that, it's on par with most jerseys around the league with a little flair for what you do on the shoulders. They don't have the numbers up there, uh, which you often see. I guess that's the big reaction piece. I, you know, The negativity comes from seeing it the way it came out in the cut that it looks like. I think people are understanding like that's just not how jerseys are look on players at all. Yeah, and when they do roll them out, that's I'm, I'm really interested not to see so much, like we know what they look like now, but I want to see what that rollout looks like because I thought that was brilliant the way they did the color rush uh, back in what was that 16 uh, at, the with, they, at, the, at the Sensei Zoo in front of the White Tiger exhibit. Um, that was that was a really memorable day, but I don't know you can do that now. I don't know if we get you know by April or I assume they're going to do this after the draft in April. You know, are we far enough along in the COVID landscape where you can you can have a press conference in a gathering like that? I think more than likely it's going to be some sort of video that they put out yeah. on social. Um, and then it comes down to who are who. I mean, you assume Joe Burrow is going to be one of them. But who are the guys they pick um, back in t- 2016? It was it was uh, Gino, Carlos and Tyler Boyd were the ones that they, they brought to the zoo to to unveil the new uniform. So I am, I'm, I'm with, with how well that you've you wrote about it with Elizabeth, how well they've improved the social media game. I am interested to see what the, what the rollout is going to look like now that we know what the, the Jersey itself looks like. Yeah. And you know, in, you're right. I mean, COVID world and players, maybe not coming in for the off season in a normal world, you'd have access to all your players, anybody mm-hmm. that wants to be part of a video with the jerseys or whatever. Now it may just be whoever's around. Do you live in the city? Are you here on rehab? Is it just going to be uh Joe Burrow, CJ Uzama and Trey Hopkins who are all here <laughs> rehabbing in the training room, you know, or people that live here. So whether, you know, that are around that would, that would have interest in even coming into town to do something like that. Clark um, Harris. Clark, Clark, do put Clark. People, first of all, people need you. I, I saw some people tweet back after that I wrote that story, and I highly recommend this. It's time for some more Clark Harris jerseys in the stands. You can't, you can't do better than that. It gives you, you are unique to being not some sort of like bandwagon Bengals fan who just like picks Joe Burrow. Like you are a, you are a core fan. If you are all about Clark Harris, I mean, you, as far as the guy's been around forever, he's basically a legend. He, he wants to be the oldest player in the league. So, you know, he's not going anywhere and he's awesome. Like, I don't know to me, get your Clark Harris jerseys, people. So trot, (laughs) trot Clark out there, Clark, Joe Burrow. So that's special teams offense. And then somebody on defense. You know, one of your young kids, the kids, you know, or maybe you, maybe you trot out one and you get a free agent or something and you, you put him out there. But You get Jesse Bates. I mean, Jesse Bates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know he's going to be around. Yeah. Even Jesse Bates, Joe Burrow, Clark. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about in the video. All three. So, yeah, I, that's probably what, what we will see and how it will be rolled out. And, you know, think about it. You're, let's 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 just let's just say you're you're in the Bengals shoes here. Sunday comes. This disaster happens. You can't believe it. Somehow there was, whether it's an NFL-level hack or uh, whatever the hell it is, however this happened, and you're, you're like, damn, those are it. It's it's poorly done and hanging from a plastic hanger, but 
that's the design. So I can't deny that that's the design. If I come out and say those are it, you're going to get hammered because you want to have your video presentation. I can't put, we don't have that done. It's March. Like, you know, you're still a month away maybe or however long from when you were going to do it. So do you come out and say, yeah, those are it, but they're going to look better than that? Do you just not say anything and let it blow over and do your thing just like normal? You know, I those are really your only two options. Mm-hmm. And I think and, they did the right one. Yeah, I don't, you know, I it, it's, a t- it's a tough spot when you kind of get screwed like that. If if we're under the assumption that that is what happened, so it's a uh, you know that's where it, that's where it is. We did the Jersey talk, Jay. Good for us. Yeah, I am interested. <laughs> I would like to reach out to the because what there was five or six teams last year that changed jerseys, and should probably reach out to the, the 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 writers of those teams and see if theirs leaked at all. I think there was. I think was there, there was some um, where some of it kind of. It's hard to it is hard to keep some of that stuff under wraps because you're trying to sell them. Yeah, all you need is an IT guy at the yeah. league office that sees it, and he forwards a picture on to somebody else, and then they screen print him. And-, and shout out to everybody asking after the Duke Tobin press conference why I didn't ask about the leaks. Yeah. Um, listen, <laughs> we had 20 <laughs> minutes with a guy we haven't talked to in six months who's the only member of the front office that we get to speak to. Uh, we had – how many people were on that Zoom yesterday, Jay? Uh 15, I'd say 12, 20? yeah, 12 to 15, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Everybody trying to get questions in. I don't know how many questions were asked, but you probably looking at max three questions you're going to get in with any kind of real answer. If you think I'm wasting one of my two to three questions on the jersey leak <laughs> to Duke Tobin, you are out your damn mind. There is no way. Uh, we had so many other things to ask about. Um and he doesn't care? You think Duke Tobin cares about what's going on with the jerseys with all he's got on his plate? So I appreciate that. But uh, he's the last person we would ask, and he's the last person I would ask if I had two to three questions to ask about everything that's going on with the organization in the last six months. So, yeah, that's what I was referring to when we talked to him in person, and they kind of, it just kind of goes on. It, there, there's no set time. It just kind of everybody runs out of questions. And in a situation like that, that probably would have been – the last question before we wrapped it up. But yeah, in, in a situation, and in that too, you, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where when you're on a zoom, you're not going to get off the record or, you know, Hey you guys, turn your, turn your recorders off. If you're there in person, maybe he does, you know, answer it a little bit more. Um, just, it just all goes back to the, the, the zoom is not the ideal press conference situation. Um, and I don't know, uh, I don't know if if anybody was was planning on dropping that in as a as the last question. Sometimes people do that; they'll save a question like that towards the end. Um, but then once once the Bengals PR rep says, "Okay, one more question," um, and it, it ended up, I think it, the final one went back to to free agency again and the the um, uh, the cap casualty. So it was just yep. there was no way to get that that question in in that in that setting. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps up. A reminder, uh, we're on emergency pod alert for the next week and a half. So we're not scheduled. We're not, you know, normally Tuesday. There we are. In the, there we are. Every Tuesday showing up for you uh, next week and a half. If you if you see something that you think is emergency pod alert, you let us know if you think it's worthy. Uh, but we're, 
going to do an, a, a little emergency pod on any big move that happens over the next week and a half. Um, and so they'll kind of be firing off at you as it goes down because we're not going to fight the free agency shelf life game. Uh, it's not a winning one. So we'll, we'll be here for you when something goes down, and there will be plenty to do. So I have a, ima- I, I imagine you're going to get far more minutes of Jay and I. If that's, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> you're going to get far many more minutes of Jay and I over the next week and a half than you normally do. But uh, that's because there's going to be a lot going on. So we will have all that for you as we go through the next week and a half. And I appreciate everybody for listening. If you're not a subscriber, hi, please do. Uh, we have you covered. Trent just got back from spring training. Justin Williams is all over UC. Uh, Jay and I hammering all this Bengals for agency stuff, but you got insight from every team across the league. Dane Brugler's draft stuff, the Premier League, uh, NBA, you name it. We're inside everywhere. We got over 400 reporters all for one low price. I think, I think our deal's at like $3.99 a month right now. Um, it, you can't beat it. So I think they have a, a one dollar a month too for people that have were subscribers before and let it lapse and are looking to re-sign up. There's there's all kinds of deals out there. Look into that. That is a, that's a great deal if you can get it. So uh, all right, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will talk to you when something goes down. Uh, the next t- thing to go down, we anticipate, will be the franchise tags. So we'll be talking to you whenever we have information on what happens with that. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. 